Welcome to the Chad Cargill ACT Test Prep Podcast, coming to you from the Ollie Ray Ranch in Choctaw, Oklahoma. This is the podcast to help you increase ACT scores, qualify for college, and win those much-needed scholarships. We'll talk colleges, careers, and most of all, test-taking strategies and tips. This is graduation season, and many of your schools are about to have great graduation ceremonies where many students will be recognized for a lot of different things, Wonderful speakers will be brought in, and it will be a great time of celebration with family and friends. Today in this episode, we are winding up the 2020-2021 school year. From here on, we will be in the summer season, and we will go to a more sporadic podcast episode release schedule. But I want to conclude the school year with what I am going to make an annual event, and it will be my graduation speech to this year's graduating class. And so, for this episode today, I am going to give my graduation speech for the class of 2021. To the class of 2021, congratulations. You made it. I know it's been a long journey for you and congratulations on finally getting to this point. I often wonder what people remember from graduation speeches. I have given many of them over the years. I've been brought in to schools and groups across the country and asked to speak at graduations. But I always wonder, what will students remember from any of that? And I'm tempted to do the Winston Churchill, where he walked to the podium and he said, never, ever, ever, ever give up. And he walked off the podium. That's a powerful speech. And I'm tempted to give you that, my key line, and walk off. But today, I want to go a little more than that. And I want to talk to you about a key theme of live a life that matters. Now, although this speech is going to be a lot about me and my story, I hope that this is a look into your future and a little bit about you. Now, for those of you that don't know my story, I come from a very simple home. I went to mom's high school graduation. My dad lugged boxes in a warehouse for 30 years. I grew up in a simple home. My dad had a, a hard upbringing. Had some difficult times. Um, my uh, mom, I mean, she had two kids by the age of 19. And again, we went to her high school graduation. So I'm a first generation college student. My parents stayed together. They worked hard. They, they, they gave us an opportunity. And my brother and I worked hard and got through college. Now, I want, I want you to think about this transition. Uh, growing up, I had these great dreams of what I was going to do in life, what I was going to become, all the things I wanted to have. And like many of you, you have these dreams of, man, I'm going to go to college or I'm going to tech school or I'm going to get this train. I'm going to work and I'm going to get and I'm going to have. And look, I want to be transparent. That was me. I had a lot of that. I got my engineering degree. I get a job working for the largest telecommunication company in the world. 
I was successful. I was doing ACT prep on the side. I started making a lot of money. My wife, who I dated through high school and then went to Oklahoma State as well. She got her teaching degree. We got married. She's teaching at a, uh, an elementary school. And I've got this engineering job and the ACT stuff. And we started making great money. And listen, it was just like we had made it is the way we perceived it. We had made it. And like many of you, you have those dreams of getting that income and making it as well. And so I hope that as I go through this story, that maybe this is a look into your future as well. See, I would say that at that time, we had everything. We built a really nice home. We had great jobs. We had really nice cars. Really nice cars. She had a nice car. I had a nice car. Then we have two kids, our oldest, Camden and Casey, and things were good. We were taking trips. Life was good. And I would say by our perspective from where we grew up and what we had, we had everything. But did we have what mattered? I remember we took a trip to Hawaii. I remember uh, on that trip to Hawaii, it was really important to me that we did a family photo shoot. I wanted a photo shoot and I wanted to get those pictures of, you know, the family on the beach and the sunset and all of that. But again, I want to be transparent and I want you to know that it was very important to me that not only we did the photo shoot, but that I bought the CD of all the video of all the pictures. So I would have ownership of them. And really the number one reason why I wanted it. And again, I'm just being transparent. I wanted it so I could post it. I wanted to post the pictures and the problem is, is Facebook had been invented and that became a big deal. And it was a big deal because we were living this really great life that we perceived was really special. And I wanted those pictures posted and really why? I don't know, but I was chasing a, a social media thing. I, I was, I, I wanted to see the likes. I wanted to, that became what was mattering or what mattered in life. And we were, we were doing a lot of work in the church as well and, and, and going through and, and again, we thought we had everything. And I, I remember that I don't know why, and I, I don't want to really admit this, but uh, I was, I was kind of an anti-missions guy. I mean, I was like, let's do missions here. We don't need to do missions anywhere else. And I would always say, why do we, why are you worried about feeding people over there? We got people here that are hungry. And I would say a lot of things like that, but I was always, um, I don't know. I was just, that's kind of just the way I thought. We went to a concert uh, when Camden and Casey were about eight or nine, and uh, they uh, one of the performers was talking about an organization called Compassion International, and we decided to sponsor a little boy in Kenya. We started writing him, and they would translate it, and then he would write back, and they'd translate, and we started learning about his life there and what he was going through and the, the mission there and the project, and then we found out Compassion had the opportunity to take trips where you could go meet your sponsored child. So we decided to go. And when we were in Kenya, one day of our trip, they told us we were going to go to the middle of the Serengeti. It's called the Maasai Mara on the Kenyan side. And so we were going into the middle of the Mara and we were going to spend a day with the legendary Maasai tribe. We were in one area where it was extremely remote. 
it was uh, it was an interesting area. I mean, it was very ancient living. I mean, we're talking like a thicket in a circle of the thorny thicket that they would put around the huts to keep the lions from eating them at night. They would have the the huts that were made of cow manure and urine uh, packed around uh, sticks, vertical sticks. They would pack the manure and urine on those, and then they would uh, uh, the, each each hut would be one of the wives, and the warrior um, would be there. That would be his boma, and we found out that in this one particular village that they would marry the girls as early as nine. Poverty beyond belief. But kids sick. Now, when, when we go into this village, Camden is 10, Casey is nine. They told us beforehand, they said, girls have little value. I mean, they... They just don't have the value here, and you've got to be careful and make sure you protect the girls. Well, Casey was nine. Obviously, I'm there with my wife, Shelly, and so I'm, I'm aware of this, that we need to be very careful. And so in the village, we are overwhelmed by what we're seeing. Every kid, the faces are covered in flies. I'm talking up the nose, in the ears, on the eyes the lips, all of it. One picture we took of a kid there in the village. When we got back home, we blew it up and we counted the flies. We counted over 40 flies living on that kid's face. And it was every kid. Was, uh, and it, we, we were just, just devastated. I finally asked one of the uh, uh, officials from the village there. I said, listen, I've never seen anything like this. I said, these kids are so sick. And I said, what is the death rate of the kids here? And he said, well, here in this little village, we estimate where you're at that about 40% of these kids would die by their fifth birthday. That's an astronomical death rate. The, the poverty, the smells, we were devastated. And Shelly goes missing in the village. No one can find her. This is the first time I've ever been to a place of poverty like this. I have no idea what's going on. I, I, I'm scrambling. Everyone is trying to find her. No one can find Shelly. Finally, one of the guys from our group says, I thought I saw her go back to the Jeep, to the four by fours. And so I walked as fast as I could without making a scene to the four by four, trying to find my wife who was missing. She was nowhere to be found. I looked, I, I looked inside. I, I, I'm thinking, God, I, I've lost her. Where is Shelly? And I walk around to the back side of the four by four, and there was my wife sitting in the dirt of the Serengeti, sobbing uncontrollably. I got down in the dirt and I held her and I cried. And we held each other and we cried for at least a minute, maybe two. And in the most impactful moment of my life, she grabbed me by the collar, she pulled me up right up to her face. And just sobbing, she said, no child should live like this. Somebody's got to do something. And I told her, I have no idea what you could do for this. But I said, I promise we'll do something. Well, that led to a complete life change from there. We did a huge project bringing water to that village. But then Shelly and I really started evaluating our life and saying, okay, you know, what about all this stuff we've been doing? What about all this stuff we have and what matters? And that led us down an extremely long, crazy road. And I got to ask you a question. What if you were about to make a decision that may cost you your finances? I'm talking like all of it, your home, 
and even the life of the one you love the most. And in the end, you would conclude it mattered. We started the adoption process to Congo. I've shared in the past on this about my kids and my kids from Congo, Clarity and Creed. We got caught in an extremely difficult adoption process with Congo. We continued that with an adoption process from Uganda to adopt three more. It, it became the longest, most difficult five-year process. We were in an embezzlement scandal, child trafficking scandal. We got caught in the midst of all of it, and it was horrible for our family. In the process of all that, we lost virtually everything through a couple bad business decisions and all the money that was being taken through the adoption, which ended up being almost a quarter million dollars. We lost our home. We lost, it, it was crazy. All, all, it, was, it was just crazy what had happened. And then Shelly gets sick in Uganda, horribly sick. And it's a long story, but we get her home and she almost dies. I actually made the phone call that she did die, but they revived her. And so five years, three months of that. And then you just say, my gosh, that was so much to sacrifice. And you did lose everything and almost even the one you love the most. And then from there, we adopted our daughter, Cat Liberty. And we look back on it and say, okay, was it worth it? I mean, what in the world was it worth it? And here's a few conclusions. Had we not done that, we would have never seen our daughter Clarity from Congo the first time she saw her breath and thought there was a fire inside of her because she was breathing smoke. We would have never known the joy of our special needs son from Uganda and the joy he would bring to this world. We would never have watched five kids be amazed at simply having enough to eat and saying, thank you, we eat today. We would never have seen the beautiful eyes of our baby girl, Cat Liberty, as she smiles and says, daddy, because she's no longer frozen in that chamber. And we have met... We may have never known what it was like to live a life that really mattered. My challenge to you graduates is simple. Don't chase likes. Don't chase social media posts. Don't chase all those things that pass away that are nothing but things that moth and rust destroys. Our headmaster at our school, he says, doing hard things is hard. That doesn't make them bad. Do things that matter. Now, look, you've got to find a balance in this. As you go forward and you've got these great dreams of your future, find a balance in it. I'm not saying go adopt six kids. I'm not saying you should go lose everything and you should get in situations where the people you love the most, you're going to make a phone call that they died. Yeah, for some... Yeah, that may be where that road takes you. I don't know, but I'm not saying that that's got to be the plan, that we're all going to go do that. But I am saying find a balance in the two. Find a balance in the stuff. Find a balance in what matters. And know this, that when Shelly and I look back on our lives, the things that really mattered, 
the things that mattered most weren't necessarily the things that we did for us. The things we have found that mattered the most are the times we sacrificed greatly for others. Those times we gave, those times we cared for others, those are the times that mattered. When you reach the end of your life and you look back, and you will, you'll look back, others will look back, you want to be able to say you lived a life that mattered. Graduates of the 2021 class, what a great milestone today is for you. Press on, pursue hard things, live a life that matters.